0: You may be seated. Well, good morning. As previously mentioned, I am Preston Hughes. Uh, my wife is Athena, right here. Uh, we hope you had a good spring break, and for those who didn't have a break, hope it was a good week. Uh, hope you wore green on St. Patrick's Day and avoided all the pinches, and uh, We, of course, are Christians, so we don't have to worry about luck. We believe in the sovereignty of God. Um, But, anywho, uh, Athena and I have been members of the church here for almost a year. I think it's coming up in April uh, that we will be members for a year. Uh, If you are looking at me and saying, I've never seen this guy, it's probably because I'm behind the computer doing tech. Um, So, uh, yeah, (laughs) I do tech. uh, And then I'm also, my daytime job is an Army infantry officer. So if I'm not doing tech, I'm out in the field training uh, and doing things for Fort Hood. So that's probably why you haven't seen me as much, but I promise I attend the church. I promise I'm a member. Um, And so, uh, like Pastor Justin said, I am going to seminary online. In the meantime, uh, I go to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm studying my Master's in Divinity with a specialization in biblical and theological studies. Uh, so for some time, I've been debating the call between the ministry and the pastorate, and in a membership meeting, I uh, told Justin and Landon this, and uh, through them and this church, uh, I started going to seminary, um, and i just like to take the time to thank the elders, Justin, Landon, Ken, and Justin, for allowing me to be up here, uh, and I thank the congregation, because ultimately, the Baptist uh, congregation is what allows us, and that you would support your pastors and allowing me to be up here. Uh, and I don't take this lightly. Uh, I, I appreciate this. Um, so today we will be in Matthew six twenty-five through thirty-four, and we will be discussing anxiety and faith. Uh, as you turn your Bibles to the passage, we can reflect that there are a great number of things that we can be anxious about. You can be anxious about your job, your job security. Uh, your family will they be Christians? Will they grow up in the righteousness of the Lord? Our medical, our health. What about COVID? What about our longevity of life? Our marriages, our education. Will our kids be smart? Will they grow on to be smarter than me? Uh, how will we perform at our sports game? How will we reflect Christ? How we will honor God in our finances? What we will wear? Are we cool enough? What will we eat? The timelines. Uh, finding love. Will someone ever love me? Will I be loving enough to someone? You might even be approaching your first sermon and be approaching to teach a text on anxiety um, and need to preach this to yourself every day uh, for the past week that I approached this place. Um, So uh, you can seek approval. Uh, You could be in war, like in Ukraine. Uh, You could be uh, worried about how much sleep you'll get, and some people even get anxious about being anxious. Um, As we get to our passage, we can come up with an exhaustive list about pretty much anything we can become anxious about. Uh, Let's turn to Matthew 6.25 and hear the words our Lord and Savior Jesus has to say about our anxiety. But first, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for what you do. You're a sovereign God, Lord. If we would just turn our eyes to you, our anxieties would be nothing. Lord, we pray that you would do something miraculous today, that you would take your divine word, and that I would be the speaker of your divine word, and that you would pierce through the hearts of unbelievers, and that you would pierce through the hearts of believers who are stagnant, Lord. May your gospel, may the glory of Christ pierce through us and revive in us a joy of our salvation and that we may glorify and honor you. Lord, I pray if there's anything of benevolence of my words or my speaking, that it would be an honor to you, that I would not take it for my own credit, that all things are beneficial and everything that is good comes from you and not my own efforts and works. Lord, may this scripture apply to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Matthew 6, chapter 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Uh, that is in our household a lot and um, something that I knew, as I said, that approaching this text and approaching speaking speaking uh, sermon, that something I could preach to myself uh, before getting here. Uh, I'd also like to say I'm trying my best with my voice. It is the first day of spring and after me practicing and rehearsing this all week uh, and spring allergies coming, I think my voice is starting to fade. So um, just, just hang in there and I, ho- I hope it, it lasts through and that the Army training in me can make sure it lasts through it. Um, okay, so moment to talk about medical anxiety. Okay, So I realize here that some people have legitimate, diagnosed, and physical uh, anxiety from a result of the fallen world. Uh, the physical brain and the spiritual soul are, in, are interdependent in ways that we cannot fully see. Uh, this means that there are, in extreme cases, physical strategies as well as spiritual strategies for dealing with the conditions of our soul. I am sure that you are aware of your susceptibility to this sin. And to you, I will say, God did not give you your anxiety disorder, but God is sovereign over it. Seek and trust Him in all things. Uh, but what we're talking about is what really is anxiety. And uh, as we'll see as a Christian, anxiety is really a cause from many bad fruits and But what I mean by that is the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's a result that we lack peace, that we lack patience, that we lack faithfulness, that we lack self-control, and that we lack joy. Anxiety being a production of a lack of fruit of the Spirit. And anxiety really comes from a lack of control or a lack of knowledge, You can spin and churn and tie up your bootstraps endlessly and tirelessly to try to make it feel like we have some sort of control over our life. But ultimately, anxiety reveals that we have no control over that. And that as a Christian, and I believe the text ultimately says, anxiety for the Christian ultimately comes from a lack of faith. Verse 30, you see the problem here is, O you of little faith anxiety, Christian, is not your biggest problem. It is your lack of faith. And some of you might even be hurt by that and saying, well, geez, I thought I was going to walk in and just be told that my anxiety is a problem and Jesus will help me. Uh, But really, you have uh, a bigger problem in that you lack faith. Uh, And which I will say, a medical analogy, right? Let's say you go to the doctor and you're like, doctor, I have a headache. And he's like, okay, uh, here's some, Uh, Pills, right? And you have just, you're just dehydrated, get out of here, Uh, thanks, okay? Um, But really, you had a tumor in your head, right? Wouldn't you rather the doctor address the actual problem in your life is not your anxiety, but your faith that it isn't just a headache and dehydration, that you would want to go through the steps to actually help produce more faith in your life? So that's what we're here to do. Um, We're here to seek out. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and attempts to grow our faith to combat anxiety. So, command. This is how I see it. If you're a note taker, this is how I do it, right? Command, don't be anxious. Three specific commands. Uh, of don't be anxious in the text. Therefore, if Jesus says it once, it's good enough to be a command and good enough for us to follow it, and we must always do it. All right, but command, don't be anxious. Problem, lack of faith. Verse 30. What's the solution? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Faith, right? Seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness increases our faith. Our faith increases. Therefore, we are less anxious. So the first way I interpret this, I want to uh, kind of be against this, is that you can imagine Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount Um, And one way to interpret this is just Jesus being like, don't be anxious, almost like a toddler, like a parent to a toddler, like don't do this, don't do this, just don't do it, you know. But what really is happening here is Jesus is a loving God, and that what he is telling you is you shouldn't be anxious because of what I've already done for you, and because of the truths and realities that are already present, and now he's calling us to observe the truths and realities on why we shouldn't be anxious as Christians. So, from this text, I have nine total reasons why we should not be anxious. Eight are inside this text. One is outside this text. Nine total. Eight inside. One outside. The one outside is from the same logical argument that's inside that I'll walk through. But nine arguments, okay? That's what that's the note takers, okay? All right. Getting to verse 25, number one, therefore, anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you must pause and then wonder why it's therefore. So you must go back, okay? You must go back. Um, So we see in 19 through 24, I'm just going to go back and read that for us. Uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth rust to destroy and where thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, and he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. That whole section is a section on greed, right? So we shouldn't be anxious, therefore, if you lay for yourselves treasures in heaven instead of on earth, you shouldn't be anxious. If you desire the things of God and not the things of earth, you shouldn't be anxious, If you serve God, not money, you shouldn't be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? So, point number one. Reason number one, why we should not be anxious. Life is indeed more than food and clothing. This is verse 25, just read. The conveniences of this world, your groceries... The stores, all the things that we have, right? They prove God's faithfulness in any circumstance. This demonstrates that the physical needs and the treasures will disappear, and we need to invest in the spiritual part that will last forever. This is what... Jesus is drawing upon in 19 to 24. I've just proven that there's a physical reality and a spiritual reality. You need to lay up treasures for yourself, right? So then He's calling back. Is not life more than food in the body? Of course, there's a spiritual aspect of our life. And that needs to be our main concern. Our anxiety tends to narrow our focus. It tends to focus onto one worry or concern. We tend to narrow our focus onto all the energy and effort towards that one thing. Everything in life when you're anxious about that thing seems to hang contingent upon the accomplishment or the finishing of that thing you're anxious about. Jesus tells us to take a step back. Consider all our worries and anxiety are not the totality of our life's dilemma. Consider the spiritual world. Why would we be anxious about what we would eat or drink for, say, if you lost the pleasure of life if you were not able to eat you would lose the pleasures of taste and food and that you would be anxious about that that if you wouldn't eat you would actually potentially lose your life if you don't eat why would we be anxious about our clothing uh, the approval of man you must wear what the right things I got to have the Nikes on I got to have whatever it is you know you got to worry about what people have the right status on and then Even more so, people like in Ukraine might worry about what clothes they're wearing to survive a winter in the past, and now the spring, summer coming forward, or they lost all their clothes, but let me tell you, Jesus has, in a situation when reading this, place yourself in the lives of those who've been displaced, place yourselves in what your life is, and Jesus has just as much right to tell both people not to be anxious, because his truth abides still. So Jesus is pointing that our energy and effort should be on how to enjoy God. The spiritual aspect. Seek approval from Him and spend eternity. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Matthew puts it like this in another way from Jesus. Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We must have eternal perspective and seek the kingdom of God. Look to Moses and, in fact, all of Hebrews 11. If you want an example of faith, right? If anxiety is a problem of our faith, look to the people who lived a faithful life. Moses in Hebrews 11, chapter 25 through 26. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, For he was looking to the reward. The reward of what? Christ in his return. Well, Christ in his coming, in Moses' case. Um, Therefore, point number one, life is more than food and clothing. There is a spiritual aspect of life. All right, number two, point number two, why we should not be anxious. Consider the birds and how God provides for them. Going back to verse 26, look at the birds of the air, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So what I was talking about earlier, the logical arguments inside the text, Jesus is actually using an old Latin uh, argument called a fortiori. It's actually still used in the legal system today. It literally comes from the stronger. So it kind of goes like this. How much more? If this is true, then of course this. So, an example, if a person is deceased, then of course they are not breathing. (laughs) Example, if a parent refuses to give their child $5, then of course they certainly would not give them $10. This is the argument that Jesus is saying, right? Is that if I take care of the birds, of course I'm going to take care of you. So, consider the birds. They do not actively work sow, or reap. They have not been given daily means what we have to make ourselves food. Our working, our sowing, our grocery stores, all these things that God has given us are actually means for God to actually ease our worries. We are one of the most anxious people and we have the most means to store our food, and the most means to not like depend on the promises of God, right? But God has given those things to provide for us. But consider a bird. He doesn't wake up wondering, like, where's my bird, where's my worm today? You know, he just trusts God, wakes up. There's no worry in a bird. Trust God to gather into the food and barns. They trust God to provide for them daily. And if you need examples of why we matter more than birds, we can go back to the Old Testament. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. One example of why we matter more than birds. Another example in Leviticus 5, in that if someone could not produce a compensation for a sin, they would have to produce a lamb. And if you couldn't even produce a lamb, you had to produce two pigeons or two birds. So in actuality, too, we see more examples of why God cares for birds. Therefore, he will care for you. So that's point number two. Consider the birds and how God provides for them. Number three, probably the most pragmatic argument Jesus gives here, uh, anxiety is useless. It's useless. Uh, Jesus says in verse 27, "And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. A single hour, a single minute, a bit of good, as previously mentioned, your anxiety comes from the worry or sense of things being out of your control. If you could control it, you wouldn't be anxious about it. You'd just fix it. We know that our anxiety is but a frivolous attempt to somehow be in control of what we can't control. And the more you try to control it, the more aware you will be of how you can't control it. And you'll be more anxious. So we know, in fact, medically too, we know that anxiety, you go to a doctor, they'll just tell you, hey, just stop being stressed. You know, it actually detracts from our life. Um, and so in the most <laughs> simple argument, I think, in the height of anxiety, set your eyes on Jesus and his providence. All your worries and anxiety are known by the one who can control all things. We know we can't control it. Therefore, don't be anxious. Consider Romans 8:28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and we know that anxiety is useless. All right, number four. Consider the lilies, how God delights to adorn them. This is in verse 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So this is our second fortiori, how much more, right? So here's how it goes. If God takes care of the lilies, how much more? And of course, he'll take care of you. God has given us the means of toiling, spinning, convenience shops, stores, We can build our clothes, and therefore, again, that is a means that God has given us to actually ease our anxiety. We don't have to worry about our clothes. But consider the lily that has none of these. God has raised them with more splendor and majesty than Solomon. Solomon was a man of splendor, wealth, and I imagine he cared about his image deeply. Yet the lilies are more a splendor than Solomon. I imagine Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, points out the birds. Sure, there's some lilies next to them. And he says, these are more glorious than Solomon. And to which uh, Israel and Jewish population was probably bold and very, very shocking. The other thing, the aspect, right, is that God cares for the grass and that it would be frailty. That it dies today or dies tomorrow, right? We would value that something that we invest in that would die the next day is not worth our energy and efforts. Anything in life that we think that is going to you're going to invest in a business knowing it's going to die tomorrow, you wouldn't invest. You would say that that the the juice is not worth the squeeze. But God God plants the lily. He grows the lily, provides the nutrients provides the sun, provides the water, provides the shade, all the things that needs the grass needs to know, knowing that it's going to die tomorrow. Therefore, if He takes care and provides all these things for something that will last one day, how much more, of course, will He take care of you? Take comfort in that whatever stage you are in, life, God provides and applies the same care, love, and providence for you. Whether you're an infant in a mother's womb, whether you're on your elderly stages of life, God loves you, cares for you, provides for you in every stage of life, and delights in doing so. Number four, consider the lilies. God delights to adorn them. Point number five. Anxiety is for the Gentiles or non-believers. To this Jewish community, write The Gentiles be the non-believers. Verse thirty-one through thirty-two. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Reason why we shouldn't be anxious, Christian, is because anxiety is a worldly pursuit. People who have no belief in a sovereign God who controls all things must believe in themselves or luck to calm their anxieties and fears. In a nihilistic view, an atheistic view, if you do not believe in God who is in control and that this earth and your life are just mere luck and probability, then you're faced to believe that you are of the same value as the birds and that you are the same value as the lilies and the same value as the grass, You must believe that everything happens by chance. When you come face to face with your belief of chance and probability and random nature, you will find that there are a great many things out of your control and a great many things to be anxious about. Christians, we do not believe in a sovereign father, or we do believe in a sovereign father who loves and cares for us. Don't become like the Gentiles or non-believers who pursue frivolous things in hopes to have some sort of control. Be kingdom-minded. Seek first the kingdom. God is in control. Don't worry and do not become like the Gentiles selling yourselves saying, I don't believe in a a God who's sovereign over things. So that's point number five. Anxiety is for Gentiles or non-believers. Number six, God knows our needs. The reason why not to be anxious is God knows our needs. Verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Take comfort that our loving and omniscient, that is all knowing God, knows your needs. He knows your worries, he knows your anxieties, he knows your troubles. Nothing is too big for him, and nothing is out of his control, and he knows you intimately. Just like he knows the needs of the birds the needs of the lilies, and He provides for them, He will provide for you. An example that Jesus gives in the following chapter of Matthew 7, 9-11, a parent example for us, Or which one of you, if His sons ask Him for bread, will give Him a stone? Or if He asks for a fish, will give Him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts... To your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Point number six of why we shouldn't be anxious is that God knows our needs. Point number seven, God carries our burdens. In verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is really the pinnacle, right? Is that we know the faith. Each one of these points before is a way to seek first the kingdom and consider and pursue his righteousness. But seek first his kingdom. Priority. Either God is in control of your life and on the throne, or he is not. This is true Christian faith. That God is center of our life. And not an aspect or a purse or a tote that we carry around on the side of us but God is center and that he effectually changes us and his righteousness. I think this is something that's often skipped over when we talk about seek first his kingdom, but also his righteousness. Following naturally, sanctification, the process of becoming more like Christ after you're justified in the sight of a holy God, sanctification, we grow in holiness and we grow in our relationship. We want to love Christ more and hate sin more. If you want to increase your faith, if you want to be less anxious, we must seek first His kingdom and we must seek to be like Him in righteousness. When we seek God in His kingdom, we are actually recognizing that He has authority and that He is actually King of His kingdom. And we put his reign and control on his hands. We are laying down our anxieties and burdens. We recognize and confess our anxieties and burdens to him, to the one who can control all things, and it is his delight to do so. Let the one who is willing and able to control your worries and burdens carry them for you. Actually, in one of my readings this week from seminary, Charles Spurgeon quote, the heaviest end of the cross lies ever on Christ's shoulders. If He bids us carry a single burden, He carries it also. Rest in the promise and faithfulness of God. He has proven Himself over and over through time to you. Trust His promises. Increase your faith by trusting in His faithfulness. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's point number seven, why we shouldn't be anxious. God carries our burdens. Point number eight, verse 34, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This gave me great comfort this week. And that, I hope it comforts you as well. That Jesus doesn't tell you, you're not going to have no troubles at all. Right? None. He doesn't expect that. Right? He knows there's going to be troubles. And where he meets your troubles, he gives you your daily mercies. So this is point number eight. God gives today's mercies for today's troubles. Today's mercies for today's troubles, he gives himself as the comfort and recognizes that today will have troubles. We know in Lamentation three twenty-two through twenty-three, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Worrying about tomorrow is useless. So focus on today and seeking God's kingdom today. You have your problems, you have your troubles in life, to which Jesus says, I know them. I delight in relieving you from those. Trust me, I have given you today's mercies so that you may face today's troubles. You can see too, Christian, that today we'll have troubles and that our efforts shouldn't be focused on what's down the line. But today, what are we going to do when troubles face Today is sufficient for its own. We apply to seek him in faith, to seek his kingdom, and to grow in our faithfulness so that we could trust him in our anxieties of today so that we may pursue on to love him more. God gives today's mercies for today's troubles. Okay, I said there was eight in the text, one outside the text, same logic. So last point, number nine, we're going to turn to Romans 8.32. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Romans eight thirty two. So, last argument to consider on why we shouldn't be anxious exists outside the text, but from the same logic, and that we need to consider the cross and life of Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with Romans eight, uh, it's a great book. One of the considered the one of the best chapters. Um, of course, all of God's word is inspired, but if you've not read Romans eight. Uh, People have been known to take a long time to preach on this chapter. Um, so it has full of treasures for you to discover. Romans eight thirty two, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give all things? You do not need any further proof of God and his faithfulness to you than the cross. This is it. Like, This is the point you need to take home if you're going to take something home and that look at the cross. Look what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you don't realize this, you were dead in sin, completely unable, that your best attempt at righteousness was a filthy rag to God and that you were a child of wrath destined for eternal damnation and you were in need of a spiritual savior. But Jesus... Lived a whole life. Consider Jesus a whole life without a one single anxious thought, with complete knowledge and sovereignty over God. He approached the cross, his certain death he knew, with not a single anxiety. And yet we can't approach him in prayer without being anxious ourselves. We need to consider the cross. Here's the, of course, the last fortiori, right? Right? that He cares for you so much that He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, that lived a perfect life and was not saved from His wrath, but instead endured God's wrath, became the propitiation of our sins for us. Therefore, God has met your eternal and spiritual need and continues to complete your sanctification unto glorification. So, of course... He's going to complete your physical needs and your anxieties. And can I say how light our momentary afflictions and anxieties look in the light of eternity? They look like silly little things when we have forever to spend with the rest of God in his kingdom. My friends, though, I do warn you, if you do not know this Jesus, then there is something to be anxious about and that he will return and that if you do not have Christ's imputed righteousness on you, and Christ does not know you, then it will be a grave day for you. And that his return and eternity are certain, and they are coming, and that is something to be anxious about. But if you do not know this, Jesus, please, do something about it. Come talk to us, talk to the elders, talk to the pastor, talk to someone around you, Talk to me after the service. Say that you would like to know this Jesus. You would like to cast your anxieties and controls, not in like the Gentiles, not in your own luck and probability, but that you would like to trust in the promises of Jesus Christ and you would like to give all your cares, burdens, and worries to him because you recognize that he is the one who is able to care and take care of all these things. So my friends, why should we be anxious? Because life is more than food and clothes. Consider the birds and how God provides for them, and therefore you. Anxiety is useless. Consider the lilies. God delights to adorn them, and therefore you. Anxiety is for the Gentiles or non-believers. God knows our needs. God carries our burdens. God gives today's mercies for today's troubles. And consider the life of Jesus Christ and the cost of the cross. Here's some application before we leave. Number one, don't just do something about your faith, your lack of faith. Number one, repent. Repent of your lack of faith. If you want to start increasing your faith, admit that you have a lack of faith. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In fact, Martin Luther would put it this way all of a Christian's life is one of repentance. It's something that we can get better at. Number two, pray that God would increase your faith. Be like the man in Mark 9, 24, who cries out to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. We repent of our lack of faith. We pray that God would increase our faith. And then we take steps to consider God's daily sovereignty over your life. Number one, I think you can can take from this that uh, taking a step outside is a good thing. Go walk, observe nature. I think it is a thing of Satan that we are surrounded in all of these ways, uh, reminded of things that are man-made and that therefore we are detracted from our need of Christ Um, and that everything is provided by God. We go from man-made building to man-made thing to man-made thing to man-made thing, Um, but take a step outside and and consider what God has done and provided for. Number two, in the height of your anxiety, surround yourself in Scripture. When you're anxious... Uh, it's because you don't believe in the truth. So surround yourself in the truth. In our house, we have an actual keychain, like a car chain of index cards, and we cycle through them when we're anxious. Consider these quick uh, verses: First Peter 5, 7, cast your all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Second Timothy 1:7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Luke 12:7. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more valued than my sparrows. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Psalm 94, 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. And lastly, in the height of your anxiety, if that's not working, if going outside, surround yourself in community that loves God's word and can tell you God's truth in the height of your anxious worries. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your divine word. Thank you for what you do and for the truth and the reality that you have set with us, Lord. I pray that we would be quick to repent of our lack of faith and that we would be quick to trust you and pray for our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our trust in you. May we seek the kingdom first, and may we seek our righteousness. Help us to be the community that we need to remind each other of the truth and the height of our anxieties. Lord, I praise and thank you for this opportunity. You are a good God, and all glory goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.